Well, here we are, week number four on this series. We have one more week to go. It's a five-part series, and we just want to make sure we give credit here because we are not speaking as the experts this morning. We are actually with you in this process. We are participants, and we are passing on to you um, some expert teaching from Dr. Cloud, and he has given us permission to present this to you, and I am so grateful for that. And so we talked about in week number one how the physical body, like when we get a cold or we cut our hand or something, the physical body has what it needs to heal itself with for many things, not everything, but for many things. And so Dr. Cloud said, so does the church body the body of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, that includes you, and so does that have the possibility to bring some healing to the parts of the body. And here, and with this, we're talking specifically about some emotional healing. Week one, the body, when all of the parts of the body of Christ, the followers of Jesus, are doing their part as part of the church body, then that can happen. Week two, we said, now in order for that to happen, we have to stay connected to the body. And we talked about that in week number two. I hope you'll make sure you go and hear that because each of these weeks build upon the other. Week three, we said, while we are connected to the body, we also have to remain in control of ourselves. And we are responsible for ourselves. And that is called good boundaries. We talked about that in week number three, and that brings us to today. Um, I already mentioned that today and next week are important parts of this series, and we want to, we, we all have this desire to get out there in the world somehow and, and just be our own person. We want to kind of conquer the world the way that God has designed us to do that and we get out there and then suddenly we start looking around and things are kind of going wrong and we begin to realize hmm there's a design problem in me being out there because everything around me and seemingly with me as well it's just kind of all broken down see we have been designed to be perfect and we have actually been designed to live in a perfect world. I told you we were going to refer to the first three chapters of Genesis. Well, that's where we find this, this couple, the first couple. Uh, God created Adam and Eve, and they were perfect. They were as designed. They were living in a perfect world by design. They were naked, get this, and they had no shame. Now, when was the last time we felt that? There are far too many mirrors in my bathroom for me to feel that. <laughs> That's a good way to start. Um, so, <laughs> God tells Adam and Eve at, at creation, or after they're created, God, God tells Adam and Eve, hey, I want you to go out into the world that I've created for you, just for you, designed just for you with you in mind and I want you to be yourself because everything's good everything's good it literally I have created this this world for you and you've been designed perfectly to exist in it says there's a couple of things though um, that I want you to steer clear from I want you to steer clear for these two trees tree of life 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But other than that, this whole thing is for your pleasure, your enjoyment. The world that Adam and Eve experienced was perfect. Adam was perfect. Eve was perfect. In fact, God would go, uh, I think, went so far as to not want Adam and Eve to even know that such a thing as badness even existed. That he, they don't even need to know that it exists. Because, quite honestly, Adam and Eve were not wired to deal with that. They weren't wired to deal with a world that was fallen, was imperfect, was, had any badness in it at all. They weren't wired to deal with it. It wasn't in their DNA. But, of course, the rest of the story, they were tempted to be like God. And not only were they tempted to be like God, they wanted to be like God. They, they wanted that. And when we, because as we talked about in week one, we come from that Adam's family, when we try to become more than human, more than we, what we were designed to be, we actually become less than human which is less than our design. I want to say that again because I think that's such an important jumping off place for us this morning over the next few minutes. When we try to become more than human, when we tried to become more than human, we actually became less than human, which was less than our design, which our design was perfection. When we tried to sit on God's seat or in God's seat as the judge, knowing the, what the difference was between good and evil, Everything broke. Everything that God had created to be perfect, that we fit in, that was perfect for my design, your design, Adam and Eve's design, when we made that decision, when that decision was made to know the difference and know what bad was and make that distinction, everything broke. Everything, if you will, kind of went off the rails. We lost our connection with God. We lost our ability to do what it was that we were designed to do, which was to live perfectly in a perfect creation. We lost our ability to connect with one another. We lost our ability to connect with our planet. Everything at that moment just got separated. Yeah, and so when that happened, immediately their first response for Adam and Eve was to cover up. They wanted to cover themselves up. They were looking, where are the biggest fig leaves that we can find because we're going to wrap up like... A pig in a blanket. I was thinking burrito, but you know. A burrito, that works too. They covered as quickly as they could because at that point they knew something was wrong, something was broken. They no longer felt good enough in that moment. That was the first emotional breakdown, emotional pain that had ever been felt on this planet. They began to cover up physically, and in doing so, really, they were trying to cover up their vulnerability. They were trying to cover up their shame. And God looks now at them in their brokenness, and he sees their pain, and he sees their shame. And God does something pretty cool here. Go back and read this. It's in the first three chapters of Genesis. God, in this moment, the first thing he does, he, he really begins to protect them from what's called the tree of life. They ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They did not eat from the tree of life. Or they would have, so here's what God's doing. He's trying to protect them from living forever in that broken state, living forever 
with that pain, living forever with that emotional pain, living forever with that shame. God, who promises us eternal life, wanted to prevent Adam and Eve from living forever, forever broken for all eternity. It is. And it's, I mean, it, it, I would like to talk about that more. We don't have time. But that's what God did. He protected them from living forever broken. And so God removes Adam and Eve and essentially removes us from the garden, shoop, puts us outside the garden. And we're outside of the garden, and now we are inside of this new thing to Adam and Eve called time. Suddenly, they're on the clock. They are now going through life in a process, a process of reconciling, a process of getting them back to the way that God created them to be. See, we couldn't just take a shortcut and go grab the tree of life and say, oh, good, I'm eternal life now. Nope, can't do that. Uh -uh. God didn't want us to be living that way broken forever. He said, now we can't take the shortcut. Now we have to take the long road to recovery. And it is a long, long, long road to recovery. But if you look way down at the end of that road, way down, you know what you'll find? You'll see a cross. And on that cross, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us this. For by that one offering, Jesus on the cross, He forever made perfect those who are being made, this word says holy here, but here's what that means. He forever made perfect those who are being made perfect. Sounds weird. Yeah, because those who are following the way of Jesus. Uh, so for me, that process, that journey began on the actual date. I, I have the date. Many people don't. And that's okay. Uh, just because I specifically know a date doesn't mean you should know a date. But for me, that process, that journey began on August the 23rd, 1998. Okay? So about, what, 22, I guess, years ago or so. Uh, and for those of us who are in the process of, or have made the decision to follow the way of Jesus, we're made perfect at that moment. We're, we're forgiven. But we're also in the process of being perfected. So that says that when we become a follower of the way of Jesus, when we say, hey, you are the boss of my life, we're perfect and we're imperfect at the same time. God sees us as forgiven because remember that parable, we, I believe it was in week one, we talked about the parable of the gardener and the tree and Jesus represents the gardener and he says to the owner who wanted to just chop the tree down, he says, wait, don't do it yet, let me get in there, let me dig around, let me find out what the problem is, let me fertilize it, let me fix what is wrong. For those of us who are willing, a follower of the way of Jesus, for those of us who are willing, he's going to change us He's going to make us holy, and he's going to fix all of our immaturity and all of our brokenness. But again, it's a process. It doesn't happen 
in that moment. We can't just say or think that for me on August the 23rd, 1998, boom, I should be perfect. I should jump back into that experience before the fall in the garden. And that's just going to be the end of that. We instead have to go through this process to get back to the original design that God intended for me, perfection, with time. Yeah, going to take some time. And that process is what we're going to talk about today, the process. But here's the basic problem. So a child is born, that's great. They're designed to be perfect, to be ideal, according to what God says ideal is. And the reality is, as that child grows, they realize this place kind of messed up. And I'm kind of messed up. They realize, I have failed. And I keep failing. And people around me keep failing. So I have this problem every single day of my life. And the book of Romans, I encourage you to read that. It talks about this. The book of Romans kind of tells us that we have this longing deep inside to be perfect. And so you're going to go out and you date someone and you marry that person and they are the bomb, the bomb.com. If this is 1990, they are just amazing. You marry them. And you long for them to be perfect. But they're not perfect. They're not. And then I look at me and I long for me to be better. And I'm not. So every day, I have to live with knowing how it ought to be, but it's not. And that gap between what it should be, what it ought to be, but what it really is, that gap is the problem. It's between who I really am, way down here, Harley, and who I wish that I was. Again, just read those first three chapters of Genesis, and you're going to find out the problem is we were never designed to ever be in the mess that we're in and have to deal with this well, mess. Well, because we, we have this basic tendency, or at least I, I feel like I can say this collectively for everyone. We have this basic tendency that when I fail or when you fail in connection with me or when I'm hurt or you're hurt, when we're hurt, we have this basic tendency to do one of three things or maybe all three of these things uh, with the pain that I'm experiencing, with the, uh, with the failure that I'm experiencing, with the failure that you're experiencing, with the pain that comes along with it. The first is we are going to, we could deny the bad, right? Well, it's, you know what? That didn't really hurt. That wasn't that big of a deal. That pain, yeah, you know what? I'm fine. I'll be okay. I'm okay. We deny it. Now, why do we deny? Why do we deny that something that hurt actually Hurts, And I'm not speaking necessarily physically hurt. I'm actually speaking emotionally. Why do we deny that something that hurts, hurt? Quite honestly, we just don't have the resources to deal with it. We weren't created. We weren't designed. We weren't wired to deal with pain. So we deny 
that anything bad's going on. And then we go to Instagram or we go to Facebook or we go to any other social media platform and we show the world what we would like things to be like, what we want people to believe. We deny the hurt. So again, when we experience our own failure, we experience failure in connection with someone else, we experience our own pain. The second thing that we often do, we deny the good in others and even in ourselves. We say something, and if you have ever said anything like this, you know what I'm talking about. You say something like, I am such a loser. I, I, why do I even try? Why am I even making an attempt? I am worthless. We deny that there's anything good about ourselves. Or we tend to see everything as good right now or bad right now. Let me see if I can explain what I mean. We tend to see everything in this moment as all good or all bad. When we idealize someone, let's just say when, when you fall in love, okay, and that person that you are idealizing, you think that that person is the absolute best person in the world. Everything about them is great. They look, oh my gosh, they're so beautiful, cute, hey. they smell good, you know, they smell good, everything they do, their laugh is so cute. They wear the best clothes. They just, they dress so nice. Everything about that person that we're idealizing is good. And it's great. And we're excited about it. And, and, and we love it. But then something happens. Something negative happens because we live in a fallen world. They're not perfect. We're not perfect. The world's not perfect. Something goes wrong. And at that moment, what happens? Oh, they're no longer perfect. Now, they're all bad. That laugh is so annoying. <laughs> you know? And we shift. We go from everything's all good to everything is now all bad. We do that with dating. We do it with marriage. We do it at work. We do it at church. Mm -hmm. we, we do it at church. Everything's at church. Man, everything's wonderful. And we love this church. And we love everything about it. Blah, 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 blah. So on and so forth. But then something happens. It doesn't quite fit the narrative that we want. And now that church is all bad. Kind of like the cancel culture that we, we experience some in 2020. That's our human nature, from viewing them as all good to all bad. No one got married and standing at the altar when they said their vows and said, I do. Nobody said, man, can't wait a few years down the road. I'm going to hate this person, and we are going to get a divorce. Nobody said that. That's not how we entered into that. It just happened. So we don't start that way. Why do we end up that way? Again, this is kind of an important statement as we move forward. We were not equipped to deal with imperfection. So when we have our failures, someone else's failures, we're experiencing pain, we're experiencing hurt. The third thing that we often do, we attack it. We get aggressive. We attack it. We judge it. We beat ourselves up. Or maybe we beat the other person up. Maybe yeah. not physically, right. but certainly emotionally. Yeah. And emotionally. And maybe and, physically. And right? with words. With words. <laughs> Um, and so this whole process of, of time is God's design now for us to, connect, to kind of grow up connected to Him. This whole thing of time now is about God's story entering into a world that has gone bad in a world that went bad. And He enters into this story and we call it the New Covenant, the New Testament. It is His story entering into our story. And He came here giving time to redeem this world, us. 
and to transform us. He transforms me and he transforms you and other people. And he gives us, provides us the tools that we need in order to be transformed. But what happens? What happens if we don't use all of those tools that he's provided? What happens if I grow up in a fallen world and I'm abused? I have to go into denial if I don't have the tools that I need. Or I have to judge or I have to attack. And when that happens, the pain, the emotional pain, never gets processed. Or what happens if it's not someone else who has caused me hurt? What if it's my own sin? And I don't have those tools. I don't take advantage of those tools. I don't bring them into my life. Then again, I'm going to have to deny that I really have emotional pain. Or I'm going to have to judge myself deep inside. Or I'm going to have to attack myself. You are worthless, Harley. So today is all about this. God has given us a way to live in this fallen, broken down, hurting world and still have victory. But it's going to require some very specific... Or the hurt that we have experienced. It's going to manifest itself in three very key areas of our life. It's, it's going to rear its ugly head, right? It's, it's going to show up. May not show up immediately, but if not processing hurt, not processing pain, it will show up. And most often it will show up in three ways. The first is it'll show up in clinical areas of our life. You'll experience depression. We'll experience anxiety. We'll experience addiction. We'll experience stress. It'll show up in clinical areas. If we never process and deal with the hurt. Another area it can show up, and it may not show up in all of these for you. It may be one or the other, but most often it will in one of these three. The next area is relationally. It shows up in our relationships. It shows up in our relationship with our family, inside of our marriage, with the relationship that we have with our kids, with our relatives, with our friends, with our coworkers. And the third way, it will show up in performance areas. It'll show up and it'll manifest itself with this phrase, I'm not good enough. And I am a failure. Yeah, and I could add to that, I'm not worthy. I mean, that list could go on and on and on and on with the performance. And so the way that we end up thinking, here's the way out of this brokenness and this fallen world. Here's the way out of all of this badness. I just need to be better. I need to be good. I need to be as good as I can be. I need to be better. I can improve. I'll, I'll do better. I'll try harder. And it never works. I mean, the reality is, if I could make it better, I would have already done that. And I can't. So that's not the answer. So Jesus came down to bring us out because we could not. So to get us started this morning, we're going to give you a couple of tools today and to us. These are for us too. So that we can use them, we can take them home with us, and we can begin. What is my exodus? The first tool, we need to answer this question. What is my expectation of life? 
And that sounds philosophical, it sounds somewhat benign, but it is so important. What is my expectation of life? Because we have the feeling that if something is wrong, then something's really wrong. I mean, if things are not easy, they're supposed to be easy. If things are not comfortable for me, things should be comfortable. I should never feel awkward. I should never feel this or that. Anything negative, it should be good. We have this feeling. If, they, if something is wrong, then something's really wrong. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus gave us a heads up on this. John chapter 16. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Jesus is saying, things are going to hurt down here. And things are going to be difficult down here. It's going to be tough on you here, this side of eternity. It's not going to be easy. It is not going to be jolly. And guess what? It's really not even going to be happy. And Jesus is saying, listen, guys, listen. He's saying, expect it. Change your expectations. But then, don't, so he doesn't leave it all gloomy. Here's what he says next. He says, but take heart. Because I, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And Jesus is saying, okay, listen, it's going to be tough. And it's going to be uncomfortable. But if you'll do life my way, Jesus says, and, and I, we're saying today, if we will do life his way, we will overcome with his help. We will overcome and we will get through this tough stuff. So if our first tool is to define our expectation, I'm going to ask that question. What are your expectations? What are my expectations in this life, again, as a follower of Jesus? What are my expectations? Do you expect your spouse to be perfect? Do you expect your kids to be perfect? Do you expect your pastor to be perfect? Do you expect your small group leader to be perfect? Do you expect that small group to be perfect? If so, it's not going to happen. We have to change our thinking and be realistic. We have to be very realistic about the world that we live in, about the fact that the design that we were intended to experience is broken. But, just like what Jesus said, it's okay. The expectation is it's going to be rough at times, but it's okay because we know the overcomer. As a follower of Jesus, I know the overcomer. God looked at the world and he said, it's gone to hell. Whoa, he just said that. Yes, he did, because that's kind of the way it is. It's all gone to hell. We've broken it. We've messed it up. We've created an imperfect world that was intended to be perfect, and we have now been forced to live in a world that is against our design, and we're surprised when we have a hard time dealing, God said, this thing's broken. They have screwed it up. But then Jesus stepped in. Remember, Harley said a minute ago, if you look far enough down the road, you can see the cross. 
And we know the overcomer because Jesus stepped in. And according to Luke, who if you know Luke, Luke was a doctor. And Luke believed so much that Jesus was who he said he was and that Jesus actually did come back to life. He gave up a, a, a lucrative practice and said, I'm with this guy. And he wrote a lot of things that we now think of as the new covenant. But this is what Luke said Jesus said. Jesus says, I, Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. Now that word lost, don't think about you've lost your remote control because, you know, it's stuck in the couch cushion somewhere. That's not what that lost word is talking about. That word lost actually means broken beyond repair. So I'm going to say it again. I, Jesus, came to seek and save those who are broken beyond repair. Anybody fit that category? That's me. That's me. Jesus came because I was broken beyond repair. And once we wake up and we kind of come to that realization that, hey, this thing's imperfect. This thing is broken. And then we realize that we know the great changer. We know the game changer. Only then can we begin to become active participants in that change process that we alluded to at the very beginning of this morning's uh, our time together. Yeah, and it takes that kind of uh, humility, really, to be honest. Denial is actually pride. Denial says, I don't have those issues. What are you talking about? So much attitude. I do not have those issues. But if we face the truth, we can be a part of this redemption process that we're in, that, that God has allowed time for that to happen. So here's what we realize. We begin to realize, I can't expect all these people around me to be perfect. And I'm not, and I can't expect myself to be perfect. I have to love imperfect people. This is a huge and I know I'm going to miss the mark, but what can I learn with the help of Jesus and God's Spirit? What can I learn from that? And how can I get better? Well, that leads us to our second tool that we would like to be able to take with us this morning and go into our week. Now, remember, our first tool is shifting our expectations. The world is imperfect. We are imperfect. You are imperfect. I am imperfect. It's just the way it is. Admit that. We're imperfect and we're going to get hurt. It's going to happen. We're not going to experience the world we live in without pain. No matter how good it is, no matter how good it is, at this moment we're going to experience hurt because I'm imperfect and you're imperfect. So the next question, the next tool is we ask this question, what do we do with the pain? What do we do with it? Because it's coming. There's no question it's coming to deny it is wrong because we know it's coming, so what do we do with it? How do we process it? And I, and I love the way Dr. Cloud gives this analogy. I think this is, un, I, I've never thought of this, and this is such a great analogy. We process it like we process food. Think about your body when you eat something. When, when you eat food, you take it in, um, your body breaks it down, and your body metabolizes it. Your body gets the good stuff out of the food. It gets uh, the protein. It gets the vitamins. It gets the minerals. It gets everything that you need to develop and to grow and to be healthy. 
Your body takes everything out of that food as you break it down and as you metabolize it. And then all the good stuff goes to the good, and then the bad stuff gets left behind, right? You know what I'm talking about? I don't have to get real detailed on that, right? Everybody goes knows how the process works. So that's how our body processes food. Metabolize it, get the good, leave the bad behind. We can metabolize pain and failures and the pain of life the same way. That's how we process it. We metabolize it. You say, wait a second. Hold on, man. You're going to have to hit the timeout button on that one because I don't know how in the world I can process and metabolize and get anything good out of pain. I don't understand that. Well, think about this. In your lifetime, in, when you've experienced pain and when you've processed it, you've dealt with it, and you've metabolized it, did anything positive come out of it? Did you develop wisdom as a result of that experience? I, I know I have. Did you develop fuel for being able to live a better life as a result of that hurt and pain that you experienced? I know I have. We learn through the hurt. We learn through the pain. We learn through the tension. That's where we grow. So when we experience what we have already said we know is coming and we metabolize it, and we metabolize the failures and the pain of life, then it turns into wisdom and fuel for living. Whether I hurt you or you hurt me, it doesn't matter. After we metabolize it and we use it for good and we grow from it, well, what about the waste? What about the stuff that we can't get anything out of it? Well, if we've gotten the good out of the good, if we're getting healthy and we're doing this in a healthy way, we grieve it and we leave it. Yeah. Good words. I like how Dr. Cloud describes that as well. He says, look at the animals, he says. Look at the animals. Um, he said, they leave their waste behind them. And I happen to know this is true. <laughs> because I frequently look out my windows of my house, and there are people in my neighborhood that will walk their dogs <laughs> and they will use my yard as a toilet. It's just a handful of people who let their dogs leave handfuls. So I know it's true. They every time I have seen that, they they leave it behind them. And they scratch their feet in the grass and they go on every time. But here's what Dr. Cloud says. Why leave that waste behind them? God could have designed them in any way that he chose. It could somehow eliminate in front of them. Why behind them? And here's what Dr. Cloud said. Because if it weren't behind them, and they always had it in front of them in their life, those animals would forever be walking in the waste of the past in front of them. Think about that. We, as Cole says, we metabolize it, we take that pain, and we metabolize it. As Cole said, we take what is good, and our body uses that, and we leave the waste behind. But what happens if we don't leave that behind? Dr. Cloud says, from his experience... He says, we have a bunch of humans walking around with all this constipated pain inside of them, carrying in their lives the waste from the past, 
and they're carrying that with them everywhere they go. And when I heard that, I was like, duh, yeah. This is another point um, where every week that we have taught through this series, it all kind of comes together again right here. Dr. Cloud says that in order for us to leave this waste from the past behind us, we have to get vulnerable with some people in our church. And we're never, ever going to do that if we are a disconnected church. Human connection according to God's design here, is the way that pain is processed. So I'm going to read um, something from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Corinth. Okay? And you're going to notice, I think, that a lot of what we've read in this series has kind of said the same thing. A lot of, specifically Paul's letters, they, they, they basically have moved in the same direction. So I'm going to read this, 1 Corinthians 12, 25-27. This is Paul writing to the Christ followers in Corinth. He says, this makes for harmony among the members. The members of what? The members of the body of Christ. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Boy, that, he says that a lot. So there must be something to processing hurt and pain to do that. We've got to be connected, which we've already talked about. It's, it's tough right now. But boy, it must be important. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Paul says, again, it's like he keeps saying this, all similar in another or Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. He says something very similar in another letter that he wrote. This one he wrote to the Christ followers of the church in Rome. Romans 12, 15, he says, hey, be happy with those who are happy. Connection. And weep with those who weep. Connection. Hey, if I'm telling you about something that I've experienced in my life and I'm hurt and it's, it's giving me pain and I'm trying to process it, I'm trying to metabolize it, hey, you're, you're going to comfort me if I'm connected in the body of Christ. You're comforting me and you're helping me process that. You're helping me metabolize that. Do it by yourself. Eh, that metabolism runs a lot slower. If it runs at all. If I'm crying, and you're crying with me, you're connecting with me, you're, you're giving that, me that secure attachment that we talked about in week one, and all through that process, that's how we begin to metabolize and move on. You take, the as a follower of Jesus, if you take the church out of the equation, if any metabolism happens at all, it will happen at such a slow pace. But if I deny that pain, I deny that hurt, I deny that experience, and I say, hey, I'm going I'm to carry this around with me everywhere I go. I'm just going to keep it. I'm just going to put it somewhere down deep inside, take a deep swallow, and boom, there it's going to stay. If I do that, and I think instead, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus, August 23rd, 1998, right here. I'm a follower of Jesus. All of this pain and this hurt, that stuff should have been taken care of right there in that moment. Jesus actually says it's a process. Human failure 
abuse, pain, dealing with it, processing it, metabolizing it, it is not an overnight thing. It's a process. Jesus actually says it requires surgery. It's an inside job. Yeah. You know, God created us, designed us as eternal creatures. Our soul, and I guess the best way to describe what our soul is, because it's really indescribable, the best way to get at least a little bit of an understanding is that part of you that's looking through your eyes right now, that's your soul. Something much deeper, more than this flesh and bone. Our souls were not meant for time. There is no timeline on your soul. There's no timeline on what is inside of me. My body is on the clock. This physical body, it's on the clock, but my soul is not. So if I was abused, if I was hurt by someone last year, and that pain is not processed, not metabolized, and I walk into this room right now today, I still have that pain today. Even if it was from childhood. Even if it was from when I was just a little guy. If I have not metabolized that pain, it doesn't stay back there. I carry it with me into today. Pain doesn't go away until it is processed. Because pain's not on the clock. Right. It's just not on the clock. Our soul isn't on the clock, and the pain that we experience isn't on the clock. It's, we're going to carry it with us until we metabolize it. You say, wait a second. So what if I never metabolize it? Then you never get rid of it. You, you'll take it to the grave. We carry our pain. We carry our hurts. We carry those experiences with us until we process it. We, we can't go back to the moment of the abuse. We know that. So whatever happened, whatever it is that caused that hurt, we can't go back to that actual moment. Because that is on the clock. That event is on the clock. It's time passed and we can't, we do not have the ability to go back to it. But what we can do is deal with the pain that was caused. Deal with, and you say, well gosh, it happened so long ago. It's okay. It's not on the clock. We can still deal with it right now, here today. And we deal with it again, and we keep coming back to this. We deal with it by being vulnerable. We deal with it, we process it by sharing our pain with someone that we're connected with who is also a part of the body of Christ. We're vulnerable. We share. And then when we do that, here's the, the cool thing that can happen. And, and if you've experienced this, then you can relate. If you've never experienced this, then I would encourage you like what Harley said, get, get into the New Covenant. Re listen again to what we're talking about here and see, see for yourself. You don't have to believe me. Just see for yourself. Because when we are vulnerable and we are processing pain with someone who is also connected to the body of Christ, that person can then extend me the love of Jesus. And you know why they can extend it to me? Because somebody extended it to them. Somebody extended that to them somewhere along the way. And that's what we want to be at Stuttgart Harvest Church. We want to be a body that is made up of people who are extending the love of Jesus to others because somebody already have, has extended that to them. 
That's how we become a church that heals. Yeah. Now, if we don't do this, that pain from our past, Dr. Cloud says it gets stuck in the here and now part of our brain. And that pain, when it's here in the here and now, even though it's from the past, it's in the here and now, it is always present, it's always there. And our brain gets really confused by this. Because our brain knows that there's an event in the past, maybe years and years ago, where that event happened, and it's way back there, but the pain I'm feeling from that is right now as if it happened today. But it didn't. It happened years ago. But when we began to process it the way Cole described, it literally begins to move. That pain begins to move to another part of our brain, deeper here inside, to another part of our brain, and this part of the brain recognizes that that event was on the clock and it takes that pain and attaches it to that event that is on the clock. And that pain gets attached to the story of our life. It was back then. You're not feeling the pain right now. It's attached back there to that story of our life which was in the past. And now our brain can say something different. Our brain begins to understand, yes, that did happen, and yes, it did really hurt, but it's back there. It is not right now. And your brain recognizes, I have grown from that event. It's in my past. I have grown. I've moved on. I have transformed. What was meant to destroy me actually made me stronger because you, the body of Christ, helped me to process yeah, but that Harley, pain. We, we've got to be careful on that too because we have a really easy to grasp, as a, as a church, as a body of believers, we have a really easy to grasp defense mechanism. Because as believers, remember, we get to focus on others. We get to help others deal with their pain and Oftentimes, what happens in the church is we ignore our own. We ignore what's going on in my life. I ignore the problems that I'm dealing with, and instead, I focus on you. And I focus on how can I help that person. But that's not the biblical model. The biblical model is we go through our own healing process, and then, in that same way that we ourselves healed, we then get to help heal others. That's one of the reasons that uh, the 12-step programs, in the 12-step programs, the first step is never to go and to heal, help people heal. Never. Steps 1 through 11 are all about me. How can I heal? And then it's on to the step 12, the final step, which is to then turn and begin to help others who are hurting and in pain. Yeah. So God has not sent out wounded, unhealed healers. No. God wants wounded, healed healers. That means we have to do this ourselves. We really do. We have to do this first for ourselves before we can help, not by ourselves, 
for ourselves before we can help someone else. So, where have we been today? We're bringing this plane in for a landing right now. Where have we been today? We started out by saying perfectionism and expecting everything to be perfect. Really, perfectionism was this first sin, really. Adam and Eve wanting to be like God. But if we want to be perfect, or if we want other people around us to be perfect, Dr. Cloud says that's just insane. It is being out of touch with reality. And Dr. Cloud says God is calling us back to give up this craziness of thinking everyone around us should be perfect and we should be perfect. He says give that up. To be sane is to admit I have hurts, but those hurts can be healed. And to do that, I have to put some words to the pain that I'm feeling and I have to share it with someone that I trust inside of the body of Christ. And then that person gets to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They get to empathize with me. They get to be the hugging arms of Jesus as they empathize with, what, with my pain that I've described. We must have someone that we can unpack this stuff with so that we can receive forgiveness and we can offer forgiveness. We should not ever allow the e evil one to have a hold of something that we have not dealt with because he will take it and he can use that to beat us down and to keep us down. So what does that mean for us today? And if you're a note taker, this is it. Go into our week and take with us. Tool number one, be real. Get over our demand for people to be perfect. Get over our demand for them to be perfect because we live in a fallen world. We're not wired to deal with it. But we can at least be realistic about the world that we live in. Be real. And the second tool, when we are hurt, not if we are hurt, when we are hurt, we have to process it. We have to process it. We have to metabolize it. We have to go through these steps that we were just talking about and being vulnerable with people who are also connected to the body of Christ and, and process it and metabolize it and take the good and leave the waste uh -huh. behind. And I, I want to add something to that, Cole, because it's something that I have experienced personally. Not only if someone has hurt us, but if we have hurt someone else, we experience emotional pain because we have hurt someone else. And we have to metabolize that too, just like you're saying. I mean, that, and that was a big one for me, Cole. Yeah. That's why I just wanted to interrupt and say that. So if we do that, if we, if we do that and we can get to the point where we can do those two things, being real and processing that hurt, and then, and only then, because remember, the biblical model is you and then others in this specific example. Take care of your own pain before you can begin helping others with theirs. If we get to that point, and this is kind of the big ask this morning. This is mm -hmm. kind of the, this is the big ask for Stuttgart Harvest Church. This is, this is the big one. 
will you commit to helping us have a church that heals? Will you commit to helping us create safe circles and safe places where anybody, whether connected or not connected, whether churched or unchurched, can come and they can say, here is the area where I am struggling. And I mean, I'm struggling. This right here, this is where I'm hurting. Can you help us to be a church that heals? Yeah. You know what happens with all this junk, all this mess down here that we have not been designed to live with, but we're living with? We're struggling with it. The perfect one, Jesus, he's not up there shouting down, Hey, you! Hey, Harley! Come up here! What are you doing down there in that mess? You big dork! What are you doing down there wallowing around in all that mess? Get up here! Do better! Be better! Come on! No. He did not require us to work our way up out of that mess. He came down to us. And He grabs us. And if we will allow, if we will connect our souls to Him eternally because of what He did on the cross, He grabs us. And he takes us on a ride through time right now. And we get better. And we begin to get better. And we begin to get better. And as we get better, as we grow up into him, and those hurts begin to be healed, and then we begin to take our eyes off of that pain where it was. It was so, so tough. We begin to see now that there's some other people around us who have some pain too. And we can identify with that pain because we had some pain like that too. And we see where they're hurting. And we're now ready to go and bring them into this healing that we are experiencing ourselves. No, we, we want to be a healing church that admits our imperfection. And it's part of our marketing. Yeah. We are the perfect place for imperfect people. We want to admit that. But. Yeah. This is, a, this this is, is important. Yeah. Because this is the part of the story that we often gloss over. Especially in the culture that we have today. We don't want to be a church that says our imperfections are Okay. We don't want people to be welcomed into Stuttgart Harvest Church because we're the perfect place for imperfect people and then we just leave you there. We want to grow. We want to go through this journey together. I mean, think about it with Jesus. This is a, a great example, one that is often used uh, in, uh, in our culture today. Jesus was a part of a, a group that literally caught a woman in adultery. Caught a woman in adultery. And Jesus didn't judge her. Now the other people did. The people that were around. Um, the religious people. They did judge her. But Jesus didn't. Jesus actually moves toward her. While everybody else is moving away from her. I think that's a really cool analogy. 
Jesus came down and didn't expect us to go up. Jesus went to this woman who was caught in adultery. And Jesus said to the people that were around, they said, Hey, any of you perfect people right now, go ahead, pick up a rock, throw it at her, and kill her. Because that's what would have happened. Kill her. Do away with her. And man, in our culture today, we, we love specifically that story. It fits a narrative today. But... That's actually not the end of the story. The story doesn't end with those of you that have never sinned, throw the first rock. That's not where it ends. Here's where it ends. This is why we want to be a church that doesn't leave people in imperfection. We want to begin journeying toward perfection. Ourselves included. Ourselves included. Yeah. Because Jesus says to the woman who has just been caught in adultery, after he tells these individuals, if you're perfect, throw a rock. He says, now, to the woman, you, you go and you stop repeating the sin. Yeah. A church that heals, that's what we want to be. We want to be that, a stoneless church where someone can come in and they can find a safe place to talk about anything in their life that hurts. No stones just hugs. We can deal with the pain. That's what we're telling the world. We can help you deal with the pain in order for you to be healed and move on from there. And why? Why can we say that? Because someone in the church is helping me deal with my pain. And I have been able to move on from that. You see, if you don't deal with the pain, it becomes what Dr. Cloud calls bad pain. See, good pain leads to healing. It leads to grief. It leads to forgiveness. But bad pain goes absolutely nowhere. There's only one thing that we can do with bad pain. And that is self medicate bad pain good pain we can embrace it we put words to it we can name what it is and we can give it a chance for an I'm sorry and we can give it a chance for someone to say I forgive you and then there's healing on both sides we must be a church that has space for people to deal with pain and the mess that we find ourselves in this life. Will you help us to do it? Let's pray. Jesus, you did not require us to work our way up to you. You came down to us. And you grab hold of our lives and you and you invite us on a journey, a journey of following your way where we can get better and better and better. And as we begin to get better, then the more we can identify with the people around us who are hurting. And we can bring them, Jesus, to you. And there they can begin to find emotionally a uh, 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 healing that we have experienced as well. And Jesus, 
We pray these things in your name. Amen.